0: Amen. All right. We're raring to go. We got the liquid sunshine coming down out here, a new year. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this past year, the the good, the bad, the ugly, but yet, Lord, you loved us all the way through. Father God, we thank you for what you're about to do in this coming year. Lord, the blessings and the the work that you have prepared for us and the love you're going to pour out on us and the grace and the mercy, God, we thank you in advance. Now, Lord, I pray that for me, that you would be with me, Lord, that you would fill me with that special filling for ministry. I pray for the hearers, Lord, that their hearts would be soft and pliable, Lord, so that this word would land on good ground. These things we ask and pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, I don't know who that is talking back to me, but keep it up. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I, I got this suit on today, so you know what the suit means? It means an hour sermon. That's what the suit means. Yeah. Amen, amen. So we are we are coming out of a, an old year, going into a, a new year, and this, this January 1st gives us a special perch, amen, where we can, we can see and, and we can thank God and we can be grateful for the things that we've gone through, and then we can be excited and anticipate what we are about to go into. So I, I want to make... A declaration right now. now. I'm not being prophetic, I'm just making a declaration. And that declaration is that these are for redemption tempe the good old days. We are in the good old days. You will look back at this time and say, those were the good old days. Amen. I, 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 and what, what triggered this, and I remember um, listening to a, a gentleman, and he was talking, and, and he said, I wish we had a mechanism that could tell us when we're in the good old days, so we don't have to look back and say, those were the good old days, right? We would, we would know when we're in the good old days. So I am here this morning to declare that we're in the good old days, Now, the reason why I can say that is because God's hand is on this church. See, it doesn't take a prophet to see that, right? That that the prayers that are prayed, the prayers that are being answered every day, the, the leadership, the godly men that are leading you, these are the good old days because God's hand is on this church. The issue on the table is the other side of the coin. Because when God's hand is on a person, on a congregation, then Satan puts us or puts you in his crosshairs. So though these are the good old days, we have an enemy that wants to destroy us. We have an enemy that his sole purpose is not to kill you, but his purpose is to destroy you and destroy your witness. So the people in your sphere of influence look at you and say, look at that hypocrite. If God was on your side, why did you go through this or that? Why did you do that? Why did you say that? If you're a man, a woman of God, then why are you acting this way? The stakes are high for us because God's hand is on this congregation. But he wants us to be like the tribe of Issachar. The text says that there were 200 leaders of the tribe with, with, with their relatives and all these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. That was wisdom, right? They, they looked at what was going on and they knew the direction Israel could take. That's also perspective. In our text this morning, title of this message is A a Word for the New Season. A Word for the New Season. And in our text, verse 1 says this, For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. This, This term, under heaven, speaks to God's sovereign rule over all creation. And time is a critical component of his sovereignty being revealed to mankind. That God is control of everything under heaven. It speaks of authority. Everything under heaven is under God's authority. God's sovereignty encompasses past, present, and future. For nothing happens outside of his knowledge and control that he does not cause or allow for his own purposes according to his will. Romans eleven thirty six 36 says, for him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Romans 11, in speaking to God about God's sovereignty that's spoken to or spoken about in verse 1, says that for him and through him, th- saying everything through him and to him are all things, not some things, but all things for his glory. So everything that we do, everything that happens to us and for us and through us is for God's glory, and he is directly connected to it. Amen? But the text also says a time to be born and a time to die. Now, when I first read this, if I would have wrote it, I would have said There's a time to live and a time to die. But that's not what the text says. The text says a time to be born and a time to die. So why is he saying this? Because these two bookends are 100% the work of God. God is the one who makes a person born. God is the one who takes our life and gives us our last breath. This speaks to his sovereignty. And we, as people, whether we're children of God or whether we're outside of faith, we do the middle work. That time that God, is, that time that God makes us born and that time where he takes our last breath, the rest, we are responsible for now, are you going to be like the men of Issachar or are you going to be an unbeliever? That's an important time. On that, I remember I preached a funeral and it was called On the Dash. I was born in 1961, I'll hopefully I'll die much, much later, but let's say it's 2023. From 61 to 23, we live on the dash. Right? That's what he's saying here, is we're living on the dash. And on that dash, this life goes through seasons. In Texas, it says a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. What is, what is that? Well, there's a time when the work has to happen you know reaping and sowing sowing and reaping that is a season and some of you are in school you're in the planting season and then when during the reaping season where you are working in your area of expertise you're you're in ministry now you're you're now reaping the benefits of what was planted There's a time in your life where you need to spend, as it relates to the things of God, you need to spend some time studying and focused on the Word so that then later on in life you can reap the benefits. Many times, and even in my own life, um, I spent three or four years deeply studying the Word of God. I still study, but not like then. Amen? There's a time, many of you are like, I don't, I don't understand the Bible. I don't understand. You need to spend time deeply studying it. So when the time of reaping comes, you've got something. You've got a harvest. There's a time to kill and a time to heal. Now, this isn't, you know, for those of you, it's not affirming Murder. But what it is affirming is the idea that we are to be holy as our Father in heaven is holy. You need to kill the sin in your life. There's a time in your life where you need to take a serious look in the areas of your life that you're in bondage. We are not called to be sin managers. Many of us are in here managing our sin, trying to make sure that I can live a life, I can have the facade of godliness, I can manage my sin when the scriptures say we should be sin assassins, should kill the sin in our lives. And then there's a time that God heals us because some of these things are mental and emotional And we need healing. We need the healing hand of God to bring us out of that. Like I said, this this church is is a godly church. God's hand is on this church. We are are in the good old days, right? And so that comes with responsibility. Because Satan has us in his crosshairs. A time to break down and a time to build up. It's kind of along the same lines. When you you think of breaking down, this is something that is already established and built. right? This isn't something that we're building from the ground up. He says tearing down and then building up. There are things in your life that you need to tear down. There's ideas you need to tear down. And then you need to build them up on the right foundation. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh. There are things that make us sad, there are things that we go through, cause us to weep. And then there's a time to laugh. It doesn't last a lifetime, it doesn't last forever. Weeping lasts momentarily. And then we need to come out of that. But then it says a time to mourn and a time to dance. Mourning is something deeper. And he's talking about life. This is life. And he wants us to have a certain perspective on life. Mourning happens. People die. People get bad news of terminal illnesses. There's mourning that happens, and we mourn with those who mourn also. But even though mourning is a deep, emotional, and physical thing, you come out of that because there's a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. This speaks of there was a tradition in the old world where your enemy, you would take a bunch of stones and throw them all in his field so that he couldn't plant crops, right? This is that that idea, that this is a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. If you wanted to plant In your field, one of the first things you needed to do in the old world, it was very rocky, you needed to gather, take all the stones out of the field in order to plant to get a harvest. And so there's a time to do that. There's a time that you need to get those stones out of there so that something can be planted that would be beneficial to you. There are things in my life and things in your life that you need to get those rocks, those stones out of there so God can plant something in your heart. This is a time to embrace and a time to refrain from bracing, embracing now, I was thinking about this, and this is where, how my mind works, is, 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 is brothers, right? We know, we give a, the brother hug, right? There's a time to embrace, and then it's like, okay, it's been a little too long, bruh. <laughs> right? Let go. <laughs> right? It, it's just, you know, there's a time to embrace it. Yeah, let's embrace. Okay, <laughs> now it's over. And then there's a time to refrain from embracing. There are times in our life where we don't really embrace. We might have aught with one another, right? There might be issue. But then we go back to the first step. You get out of that, now it's time to embrace, right? He talks about the cycles, that, the real cycles of life that we go to, real relationship things that we go through. There's a time to seek and a time to lose. There's a time where we need to seek after some things, seek after godliness, seek after holiness, seek after knowledge. And then there's a time, again, he goes back to this idea, there's a time that we gather, time that we bring things in, and then there's a time we got to get rid of some things. That may be the whole issue behind the show hoarders. Right? It's like the first thing they tell them is, look, there's no straightening up. You gotta get rid of some things. You gotta lose some things. A time to keep and a time to cast away. The same idea. There's things we need to hold on to and then things we need to let go of. You know, a lot of people, we, we talk about things that, real things that it ha- has happened to us in the past, and we're going to go over that a little bit deeper into this message, but there are things that happened to you in the past that you need to let go of, that will freeze you up from spiritual maturity, that will freeze you up from having meaningful meaningful relationships. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, is trying to instruct us that in this, the seasons that happen, that we need to be able to embrace these concepts. Time to tear and a time to sew, right? In the old world, when a heretic would speak or something was against God, they would tear their clothes, there's, a, there, there's the right time to do that, but you also need to know that if you keep tearing your clothes, eventually you're going to be naked. Sometimes you got to sew those tears up, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's circular. There's things that happen and things that we require in a, in a season, and then there's, there's another season of, of, of the opposite that needs to happen. I love this one, a time to keep silent and a time to speak. That's a sermon all in itself, a time to be silent and a time to speak, time to love and a time to hate. We understand the love part, but what are we supposed to hate? Scripture says. We're to hate sin. Do you hate sin? I mean, do you hate sin? When you fall and sin overcomes you, do you hate it? Say, because until you hate it, you'll never kill it. A time for war and a time for peace. Do you know we're at war? Do you know we are at war? We are at war with the evil one who's there to destroy us. And that's where earlier I said that it, Satan has us in the crosshairs. If you don't understand that you are, we are at war, you become what's called a soft target. Soft target versus one enemy fighting another army. That's what we are. We are an army. And, and we pray for God to rule and reign over this world. And Ephesians 6 tells us that this, this war is not our war. This battle is not our battle. This battle belongs to the Lord. And that prayer, yo, we are... Did I just say yo? (laughs) We are called to pray for one another. My back has been killing me for the past few weeks. And yes, I prayed that God would remove the pain and, and God answers those kinds of prayers. And it's good to pray those prayers. And I'm not saying that we need to pray about everything. But prayer... Real prayer, like John Piper says, is calling heaven and raining down firepower. That's what prayer is, is that we are at war, we have an enemy, and we're calling up to headquarters for firepower. That's what a church, a godly church, a church that is in This good place, a church that is in the good old days does because we have an enemy and we are at war. And my prayer is that we understand that because the good old days require holiness and prayer if we're going to be used by God in the near future. Time, This what we've been talking about for the past few minutes is, is the method in which God reveals his sovereignty because every moment of our lives is defined with a specific purpose ordained by his authority. Now, there's two words here, especially in verse 2, we see both of these words, a time to be born, time, chronos, that's the clock, and a time to die, that's season. caros. So we have seasons and we have time. right? But both of them explain how God moves. Both of them can be used in a sense to give us a sense of time. right? Farmers, they can look at the different seasons and they, they know what to do based on the seasons, not on the clock. Now when I'm at work, they, it's the clock. There were some seasons I wish never ceased and others I thought would never end. And looking back over it all, I was reminded of Daniel 2.21. It says this, he changes times and seasons. He changes keros and chronos. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise. That's perspective. You see, this text tells us that God operates in seasons, both sides of the coin of those things we talked about. God is in that. God is the one that takes you from weeping to laughter, right? He's the one that does that. These seasons are circular and they're always moving. And what we need to do is understand where we are in a particular season. That's wisdom. That's perspective. How we view the seasons in our our lives, more importantly, how we view the sovereign God of the seasons. He gives us wisdom. He gives us the right perspective. He removes kings and sets up kings. God has appointed phases and periods in our lives, and he's also determined fitting times for their culmination. God is involved in your life. He's involved in the seasons of your life. Sarah may have lived with a barren womb, but at the set time, God sent baby Isaac. Israel may have dwelt in the wilderness a long season, but God finally brought them to the land of promise. Paul may have stayed in Asia for a season, but God finally granted liberty to go into Macedonia. The writer David Thoreau said, live in each season as it passes and resign yourself to the influences of each. Live in the season, understand the season, and live in that reality. We've heard the saying in life, death and taxes are not the only certain things. There's also change. Life is constantly in motion, moving from one experience to the next in order to face each new season of life confidently and courageously. There are some perspectives we must clearly understand if we are to be wise. One of those perspectives perspectives that we should have goes back to what I said in the beginning of my message, that we are in the good old days, now How do you live in the good old days? God's hand is on this congregation. Now, how do you live when God's hand is on a congregation? God may be blessing us individually. He may be putting us through different trials and tribulations. How do we live and understand those things? First, we must remember spiritual progress is always moving. Spiritual progress is always moving. We are always moving into a new season. The next season we are moving into will attract the attention of Satan, as I said earlier. Before Jesus' ministry officially began, listen to this. This is not something unique to us or unique to you or unique to myself. For 40 days in the wilderness, Jesus faced the relentless assault of Satan. However, in Luke 4 13, it says this, and when the devil had ended all the temptations, he departed from him for a season. As I read those words, two things immediately strike me. First, I'm reminded of the limited nature of Satan's attacks, they're only for a season, but they're coming. Second, I am reminded Satan only relaxes in order to regroup his attacks. Spiritual progress is neither cheap nor easy. For every advancement we make in our life spiritually, we are guaranteed to face a season of strategic obstacles and hindrances unique to our journey. Many of you, some of you, and including myself, I went through that season, are having struggles in your marriages, or having um, in, maybe interpersonal struggles with family ma- uh, members. Know that that's a season, but it may be an attack of Satan, especially in marriages. Satan wants to destroy marriages because he wants to destroy. Families because he wants to destroy the church. And if he can destroy families in the church. He can eventually destroy the church. One of the saddest things I've ever experienced was, was a couple years ago. When the churches were just ripped apart over politics. That was satanic. It was satanic. Satanic. It affected the church more than anything else. It divided the church. It destroyed families. Satanic. That's the calling card of Satan. Remember, we need to be able to discern these kinds of things. And so how do you, how do you respond to that? Well, the, the, the Bible tells us. right? When they're acting like enemies because of their political views, what do you do? You love your enemies. We don't fight. Back at our end we love our enemies. But why don't we love our enemies? Because we're tired of them. We're through with them. They that we just don't want to deal with them. So instead of us being a witness, we become a stumbling block, block a hindrance to what God is doing in our in our world today. The world should look at us, the the the, the church over politics and they should say, Why can't our communities, why can't this nation be more like the church? They can have disagreement, but because of Jesus Christ, they're able to stay together. Satanic. We carry our lessons and experiences into our next season. Because there's things that you learn in one season that carries over into the next season. Let's look at agriculture for a second because that's really the tie in here. There's things that you learn when you plant a crop that the next season will carry over, right? You'll say, well, man, I only got half the yield I should have gotten. What happened? And now you're able to go back and troubleshoot and figure out now you can get a bigger crop, right? That season that's going to come back around, you're going to be able to be more fruitful by the things you learned from the previous season. Amen? It's like a weightlifter. Now, I may not look like it, but I, I used to be a weightlifter. And one of the things about lifting weights is... If you want to get bigger, if you want to get more toned, you what you do is you um, over time you add weight, right? You may start off with 150 pounds doing it 10 or 12 times, but eventually you're going to put a couple tens on there, a couple dimes on there, and now you're doing 170 ten times. Then you put a little bit more weight on there. Now you're doing 185 ten times, and you keep adding weight. And when you do that, you get stronger. If these are the good old days, and I believe they are, be prepared for God to add some weight. Be prepared. Be focused. Be mindful that in order for us to go where God wants to take us, we need to become spiritually stronger. We need to focus on holiness. Those are the kinds of churches that God uses in a mighty way. Satan was a thorn in the side of Paul, but Paul came forth with the grace of a blossomed rose. A 17th century preacher said this suffering seasons have generally been sifting seasons in which the Christian has lost his chaff and the hypocrite his courage. Seasons have a way of strengthening and revealing. Strengthening and revealing. One of the things I used to, i was again, I used to lift a little weight, but one of the things when I would be in the gym and you would see guys and you would see them incrementally putting on more weight and getting stronger and stronger and stronger, and you would see other guys in there, they might look the part, but when you saw them under that bench, you saw them under that squat rack, you're like, oh, you're a cream puff. <laughs> You see, why? Because that weight reveals what's really inside, right? If you're really a dog, it's going to show up. If you're a cream puff, it's going to show up too. And so in our church, we don't want to be cream puffs, right? We want to, we want to be spiritual dogs because we need to be. There was a time when, when Christians died for their faith, And it didn't take long. Their death came shortly after baptism. That's why it wasn't a game to be a Christian. If you were a Christian, it was a death sentence. Now Christianity is something that we put on our resume to make us feel good or make people think certain things about us, that we're people of faith. But then when life comes and puts some weight on you, that guy's just a cream puff. He's not for real. Open doors of opportunity are but the welcome of an open season on our life. But it is only those lives that are moving toward the goal that merit being caught in the crosshairs of the enemy. Why do I say this? There's only certain lives that merit that kind of attention. If you're in wartime, they're not blowing up 7-Elevens. They're not attacking the mall. They're going for strategic locations. We, in this season, are strategic. Satan is coming after us. The way we handle one season profoundly impacts how we experience the seasons that follow. We can't control the weather, but we can determine our response to it. The choices we make today produce future results at compound interest. It's raining out there today. We can't say stop, but we can get an umbrella, right? The second point, we must remember pain is a fading thing. Pain is a fading thing. I remember there was a time when I was very introspective. I was in therapy was years ago, um, but yes, I am still slightly crazy. Um, but I was in this group setting, and it was, this was a really wonderful time in my life because I actually looked at who I was. With clear eyes, and I was in this group, and this lady was saying she she couldn't get out of bed most days, and most days she didn't get dressed, and she hadn't been out the house for a period of time. And the the day or two before we came, she had gotten dressed and tried to go to the store, and got halfway and had to turn around and come back home because she just couldn't operate because of the death of her sister. And I had asked her, it was a group setting, I had asked her, how long has it been since your your sister was deceased? And she said, seven years. Seven years. The death of her sister froze her in time. There are many of us here who are physically, emotionally frozen in time. Because of something that happened to us. And I'm not minimizing what has happened to you. But I can tell you this. God doesn't want you to be frozen in time because of it. He wants you to be wise. He wants you to be stronger. As Paul considered the many hurts he had faced, he he writes in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, for our light afflictions, he calls them light, which is but for a moment. Amid some very intense and painful experience, Paul was saying, in essence, it is not a big deal and it won't last forever. The secret of Paul's perspective was his ability to look at his hurts against the backdrop of eternity. Only with such a view are we able to see how limited our sorrows are in their reach. These things are meant to make you stronger, not destroy you. They are in Satan's mind, in Satan's heart, but in God's, these things are to make you stronger. These are the good old days. God wants strong saints. Saints that are not frozen. Saints that understand, like my old pastor used to to tell me, is anything you go through can only last a lifetime. Then a younger person may look at that like, wow, lifetime, that's a long time. But if you're older, not when you think about the backdrop of eternity. We've all faced hurts that cloud our vision and wounds us. We thought we could never overcome. However, with time, the sorrows we bear begin to fade in the light of joy that still lies beyond us. Henry Beecher says this, tears are often the telescope by which men see far into heaven. If we had a mindset like that, if we had a mindset that that this hurt that I'm going through is going to allow me to see God clearer. David would say, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. That is also how the psalmist could say, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy Life may serve as many a distasteful experience, but we must never forget our Father saves the best for last. You want these to truly be the good old days? Understand these truths. Solomon would say to everything, there's a season and a time, every purpose under heaven. Life is like a wheel in motion, moving from one season to another. Most people have regrets of some kind. No one has an unblemished past. This can hijack our lives. We can't go back. We can't change what we did previously. We can learn from our mistakes and enthusiastically live for today. Christians, brothers, sisters, we need to have thin skin. Because we've got work to do. We've got an enemy that's trying to destroy us. We don't have time to have thin skin. God is looking for warriors, not wimps. if this was a different kind of church, I may not say that. But we're in the crosshairs right now. And we need to have a wartime mentality that's primarily fought on our knees. Paul says this, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. We've come, and I'm closing here. I was only kidding about that hour and a half message. We've come out of a season of word and spirit. Remember that? What a blessed time that was for me. I learned to listen more in my prayers, listen more in my study. And what God did through me with that was I was such a blessing to some dear friends that I love so much. He was using me because I submitted to the season of word and spirit. We come out of a season of Advent. In Advent, his first coming, and we're looking forward to his second coming. But the reason why we look forward to his second coming is because of his first coming. That we can be assured that he is coming back because he came the first time. So I want you to remember this. If Jesus is coming back, that means one day we are going to stand before the Lord of lords, the king of kings. He is going to have a personal accounting with you. If that's true, one day, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's 50 years from now, 100 years from now, every day should be looking forward to that day. As we come to the table, I want us to think about this Jesus, this Jesus who is loving us and blessing us, this Jesus who has forgiven us and poured out grace upon grace on us, that this past year we can look back, and when we look back, we see his hand all over our lives, which means when we look forward, we'll see the same. This is a time when we celebrate this Jesus as a reminder of who he is and what he's done in our lives. And if you're here and you don't know this Jesus, I beg you, search the scriptures, come talk to someone in the church because God is looking for true worshipers. That means he's looking for each and every one of us. Let's pray. Father God, we we thank you for your love. We thank you for your healing. We thank you for all that you have done for us. But more importantly, we thank you for Jesus. And we thank you for who you are. Father God, I pray that we would be a strong people. A strengthened people people, a people who understand the seasons and time. These things we ask and pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.